What's up, everybody? You're listening to the Canby Christian Church Podcast. This is an on-Sunday episode, the episode where the pastors of the church get together on a Monday and talk about what happened on Sunday. I'm Cody. I'm Aaron. And I am Rob. All right. We usually start out just by talking about a little bit of what happened during our week. Mm. Uh, Aaron, how was your week? Man, my week was the same as your week, except the fact that I also had to preach a sermon and write a sermon. <laughs> but other many, than, what do you mean by that? I'm saying we went, all three of us, including Dave Howard, yep. went to a little bit of a preaching conference on expository preaching, specifically looking at the New Testament epistle of Colossians. And so we did that, and that was a great time. Um, it was Thursday, no, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and ha- only half day on Friday, but um, it ba- basically immersed ourselves in the study of Colossians for two and a half days and outlined it and things like that. So that was pretty fun, but we all did that together. And then after all those long days, had to come home and write a sermon, which I finished at one thirty in the morning on Saturday night, uh, right before Sunday. <laughs> nice. Well done. Um, that is but, rough. Anyway, how many texts in Colossians did you have to prep? Uh, well, the same as you. So just two, 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 two passages. Well, because you, you, unlike me and Cody, you oh, were yeah. an apprentice leader of a small group. Yeah, I had to just come prepared with one of the ones I was going to have to prepare for the normal small groups. I had to have it er- done early to come and prepare for the the rest of the leaders and stuff like that. Um, but that was great being able. So I actually had yeah an added day to the conference and the leaders and apprentice leaders sat down. It was really just the afternoon on Tuesday from 12 to five. Uh, we sat down and outlined the entire book in an afternoon. So that was pretty rad. Um, and so I, I kind of, it's not that I knew all of the answers, but I at least been exposed to a direction mm. of where most of the other small group leaders were going to go, uh, with their work. And then obviously going into the, it made the conference a little bit easier in that sense when I got into the small group and stuff like that. Uh, but this is a, a ministry we've talked about before on the podcast. It's the same ministry that I went and did, uh, participated in Chicago with um, Simeon Trust, uh, where they teach on expository preaching and how to do good exposition and teaching people how to use structure and outline and all that other stuff, which we're going to talk a little bit about structure today from the passage in Exodus. But anyway, that's what we were doing. Yeah. And if that sounds interesting to you and you don't have time to go to a whole conference, there are <clears throat> online resources yeah. that we can put you in touch with because we... Or just go to Simeon Trust, S-I-M-E-O-N Trust dot O-R-G. Yeah. And you can get really, really affordable classes. Watch some videos, yep. all that type of stuff. Because we find it valuable for everyone who might teach anything ever or use the Bible yep. for anything ever. That's here. right. So it's a really cool resource. Yeah. I mean, if you just want to learn how to read the Bible better for yourself, I mean, they're great, uh, yeah. great talks with some really good quality guys leading those talks. So, yeah, highly commend that resource for sure. Yeah. Yep. My but, week, uh, it feels like it couldn't have been this same week, but we went to the Canby Center on Monday, didn't we? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That feels crazy that it was this same week. Um, but the Canby Center had a uh, a pumpkin painting class that they provided for families of the community. I think they thought there was going to be like 15 people in a right, classroom, right. and it turned out 
to be, I don't know, a hundred, a hundred people. And, uh, and so they reached out and asked if we had any volunteers who could help. And five of our middle school students jumped on it and said, we love, uh, serving cause they do. And they're mostly ones that serve in our kids ministry already. Uh, and they, uh, jumped in and helped give out paint and make sure little kids had their plastic aprons on and all that type of stuff. And the Canby center was super nice. I got a call on a Wednesday that they had a gift for them. And I was able to, uh, one highlight how important serving is to our youth ministry. It was mm-hmm. cool to be able to do that because I had this gift basket to give to the, uh, the five students who had volunteered to, to help with that. So, uh, that was a pretty neat thing. It's, we love connecting with our community, connecting with the Canby center, especially. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Sweet. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And uh, actually, the the woman who led the class, her name is Joy, and she's been coming to our church yes. for the last six months. Yeah, maybe, good point. So. Hmm. Kind of newer to our church, hmm. kind of newer to that. the area. And uh, she's been helping out at the Canby Center quite a bit, so they asked her to do this. It was funny, though. She was like, she didn't realize what it would become because, <laughs> uh-huh. again, it was supposed to be like a smaller class, and it ended up ballooning because it's like fall time. Families are always looking for fun things to do, mm. and uh, it ended up being a lot of a lot of fun. We still, I have the pumpkins on my doorstep. Oh That's yeah, funny. they're on mine. If you're in the parking lot, look across the street, you can see our families too. <coughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was we saw a lot of familiar faces, you know, mm. there. So that was cool. And then that's, I mean, that was the start of the week, and then we had Simeon Trust for the majority of the week, mm-hmm. and then uh, Saturday. We had the men's huddle. Oh yeah! So Saturday morning, a busy group, ministry week. This like every every day this week, I told Cody, we worked seven days straight, and he's like, "Don't we always work seven days straight?" <laughs> <laughs> but uh, men's huddle was awesome. Well, I was fixing all the uh, rows of chairs that Aaron screwed up last <laughs> week. Aaron pushed all the, the. He goes, "These aren't uh-huh. right," and he pushed all the chairs around, and he's like. Oh, this is worse. Well, it's worse. But church is about to start. <laughs> yep. That's pretty much how it happened. And so Cody but was But while here. you were fixing it, continue on with your story. Jeez. That was it. While I was fixing it, Rob, well, Rob came in and was like, what are we doing? Because I was watching Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> while he's fixing chairs in the church worship center. And, uh, oh, my gosh. But then he was like, why are we working so much? <laughs> yeah, because I was here after the men's huddle. So we did the men's huddle all morning. Uh, then I had to prepare communion for mm. Sunday. So I came in late. Cody was here late. <laughs> On up. a Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but the, the men's huddle was was uh, great as usual, a good turnout of, of guys here. And what, what, what are we complaining about? Aaron hadn't even finished his sermon. Dude, that. I hadn't even started my sermon <laughs> at that time. That's true. <laughs> Just be honest. Well, you had been thinking through oh, and yeah, probably yeah. had like a – Well, I went through the life – I had the life group session. Oh, on Thursday right. evening, so my life group helped me out. Thank you, life group. That's true. Um, think through some of the things and topics and themes and structure and stuff like that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the reason why you did <coughs> this model of life groups, right? Just to get just for prep. me, sermon all prep. for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about me. <laughs> yep. It's it's for my help and aid, yeah. no one else's. Well, the fact that it helps other people is just a blessing, but it was really all about me. Yeah. <laughs> That's and a joke, everybody, if anyone's, <laughs> if anyone's picking sure. up my sarcasm and my tone. <laughs> And the, it didn't even stop there. Of course, we had services yesterday, which we'll get into because that's what the whole point of this podcast mm. is. But we also had um, a leadership class with some of the guys in our church after church. After church on yeah. Sunday, yeah, which, which was awesome. Cool. Which was cool because you were able to 
essentially, uh, I don't know what you would say, distilled down a really important part of expositional preaching that we just learned throughout the week. Yeah. And we went over it with the guys. It was a really beneficial meeting. So anyways, a very busy week for us, yep. but a, a good one. Yeah, there's uh, for people who don't know, we invite a small group of guys, five, six, seven guys, to essentially go through what I felt when I was in school were the top six or seven topics for me um, that helped me grow and understand ministry and things like that. And knowing that a lot of guys aren't going to be able to go to seminary or something like that or get a Christian degree, I felt like what are the things that I can expose them to? So we do a Christian leadership uh, month where we read a book on that. We read a book on hermeneutics, basically tools for understanding the Bible. Um, then we do theology, systematic theology, and a history of theology, uh, oh. a book a book on the church right. and ministry, and then a book on evangelism. So I feel like if guys can be <clears throat> exposed to those sort of subjects and sort of if read from a good resource and then have a good discussion and see how we're applying these things to our church today, then I, th- I feel like it could be helpful. I feel like what the class does is if you have a member meeting, you sort of hear about the church philosophy and what we're doing. But when you go through this course, you realize why we're doing what we're doing mm-hmm. and how they can now reinforce that and become a part yeah. of the leadership culture that shapes that culture that that we ultimately want. So You, you anyway. missed a new addition to your class this year, which is Old and New Testament Survey Yeah, in like one book. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like yeah, cool. the big picture, <clears throat> big picture of the Bible. Things yeah. Big picture of the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. It's a series edited by Wayne Grudem, Tom Schreiner or something like that. Anyway, but yeah, that's, that was our week, Cody. I, I did want to add that I found out some sad news this morning yeah. at the same time as Christians, we do not grieve as those who have no hope. Mm. Um, as Paul writes, uh, but yeah, so a, a gentleman in our church, a pillar in this church and in this community, um, and I won't spend too much time in this conversation, but just because it's fresh on my mind, uh, Ron Titone, uh passed away last night. And like I said, I mean, he's been coming to this church for decades. I think mm-hmm. he got married in this church. I think it was in the... Oh my gosh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna mess up the year, so I'm not even gonna say it. But he was, I believe, 93 years old, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, really, uh, I mean, I've only been here five years, and when I met him, he, knew he was in his late 80s, and uh, and yet he had a massive impact on me. Um, I, I mean, I can genuinely say, and I, I this is not hyperbole, I don't know if I would be here without Ron. Mm. Um, like he was a genuine gift to me and an encouragement to me in a really difficult season. Um, I, I, of the few things he said to me as, and as, as an encouragement, um, he said, man, when you started coming and teaching the Bible, I knew our church would be okay. Wow. <laughs> and, yeah. and uh, I mean, for a guy who loves this church and invested a lot of his love and leadership in this place, and prayers, um, you know, he wants he wanted to see this church continue on and be a pillar in Canby and uh, a beacon of light. And uh, he he knew he had a conviction about the scriptures and teaching through the Bible. And so he 
he was very excited when a 30 something year old from California <laughs> came up to teach the Bible, you know? Um, but that was the most encouraging thing. And, and I just reiterated to him, I'm like, Ron, I don't really have anything good to say other than what's in the scriptures. So, I mean, that's all I'm going to say. Uh, and, uh, I believe that's the only thing that cha- changed lives, but yeah. So in that sense, I am sad for myself and for many others who will not be able to, um, benefit in, at least in the immediate, you know, relationship with him anymore. Mm. Um, at the same time, I am rejoicing with him because I yeah. know in my last several conversations with him, he was definitely wanting to be with Jesus. Yeah. And he well, is and you there spoke with, him, with now. him. What? Just Friday night. Right? I was with him on Friday evening. My wife and I <laughs> went to go see him and he was in, you know, considering all things, uh, he wasn't doing well, but at the same time, I couldn't believe he was in such good spirits. And um, but anyway, just a wonderful man, godly man, who is uh, the glue of his family. I mean, his family is amazing, and I mean, almost all of them could say, you know, it's because of the witness and the the Holy Spirit working through this man and his his wife who passed away several years ago. Um, I mean, when they talk about her, you know, she was just a godly woman, served the church. So uh, definitely someone to be commended and remembered yeah. for sure, because um, their legacy is still living on. And uh, but anyway, I wanted to yeah. chat about that. <clears throat> yeah. And I I, uh, I didn't know him well, but I knew him. He'd walk right down the center aisle and sit right in the front row <laughs> yep. every time, and he always had a big smile and an encouraging word for me. I don't even know if he knows, you know. Oh, prob- trust. Prob- oh, trust me. He knew. He oh, knew okay. your name. Trust me. <laughs> okay. Yeah. He was sharp as a tack, man. Yeah. I mean, he knew your name. I promise. I bet you yeah. he knew your kids' names. He, <laughs> you know, seriously, he was yeah. just that kind of guy. Um. And but you mentioned before he uh, he was the architect who signed off on the building. He was the engineer. <laughs> engineer. Um, he was a uh, that signed off on the building. Um, I think it was the Edwing building here at the church, which was built in the you know late '60s, early '70s, or something. Um, so yeah, he's been a part of a lot of stuff here, and uh, yeah. this this church wouldn't be what it is today without him. You know, it just yeah. is what it is. It's a yeah. fact. He was an elder at the time of uh, when the church needed to be rebuilt. So he he must have been married in the original church building. I think he was. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, decades possibly before then. I I believe that's right. Because we yeah. still have a lot of documentation when he was an elder here and yeah. he signed yeah. off on like a, a lot of the um you know a lot of the things that needed to be purchased and and all those sorts of things. So yeah. Yeah. Melody mentioned that he ordered the pews. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, years exactly. ago that we don't have anymore, unfortunately. Yeah. If you want to see one, you'll have to schedule a, a visit with the Wall Bombs to see because they have a pew. See one of the pews. <laughs> nice. <laughs> that's funny. Uh, yeah, and he was a model of selfless service, right? I remember you s- telling us a story of him you know, caring so much for this church and caring to serve the people of the church that even in his old age, he would come and, and clean like the restroom. and stuff Oh like yeah. That. Oh, great story. Yeah. Just, this was three years ago, maybe. Um, he just showed up one day and he, I have to share this story because it's so amazing. You know, Ron is a successful guy and he drives up on a Monday you know, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I just see him just let himself into the doors and he's got a piece of, uh, 
sandpaper in his hand. And I'm like, and I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, I just, I noticed on Sunday that there was a ring in the toilet. And so I'm going to go clean it off. And so he just walked in. I'm like, Ron, you don't have to do that. We've got like custodians, you know? And he's like, no, I'm going to go do that. <laughs> I, I, I was at, like just beside myself, you know, like this is, um, you know, like who is, you know, just the guy who he, there was nothing beneath him. And I, I know that's probably a weird story to share, but he was not a guy that felt like, you know, he was above any job, you know? Yeah. Um, and man, he, he was, he wouldn't stop. And uh, yeah, just a great guy. But anyway, they'll, I'm sure there'll be a celebration of life here pretty soon. And, um, but yeah, he wasn't just known in the church, but in the community as yeah, well. Yeah, so, so. Say, pillar of the community, you'll yeah. probably hear more about him yeah other places besides our church yeah yeah but a dear saint and uh he is with christ right now Mm -hmm. and uh his favorite passage of scripture was romans 5 1 through 5 um what oh my gosh i just i was just trying to memorize it earlier and then i just spaced out right now and uh (laughs) it's talking about justification therefore since we have been justified by faith we have peace with god through our lord jesus christ And anyway, I I had the opportunity to read with that to him on on Friday, but cool. Anyway, what's amazing? I I was talking to his uh, one of the grandsons, um, sons-in-law, grandsons-in-law uh, earlier today, and they were over there on Sunday, hanging out with him in the morning during church, and and he said, and he passed away later that evening. Um, but he said they wa- they were watching church online no uh, all together, <laughs> and Ron was, you know, probably in and out of falling asleep, but he would have headphones on and would watch the TV. And so he said he was he was watching the service on Sunday morning, which is just <laughs> amazing to me. But we went over Exodus, and we can jump right into that. Yeah, went into the plagues. Absolutely, we should uh, we should read the whole passage the right? whole thing yeah no. take up 20 minutes it'd be a long time <laughs> nah we're hitting the 10 plagues though i screen uh screenshotted your little diagram mm. uh from your so we have uh we have blood frogs gnats in a set of three mm. flies animal diseases which is the only one that's actually a plague and boils in another set of three boils is kind of a plague hail uh, boils. yeah it could, boils be. could be a plague hail locusts is and darkness is the next set of three Mm. and then we'll get to the 10th one but not this week yeah we'll get there yeah um and you're bringing that up just to show the structure instead (laughs) of reading oh yeah the entire the entire set of chapters well Well, that was just a big summary of what we went over sunday yes and you you sort of determined that after reading E.J. Young, is it a? Do you have a commentary on it? I was reading a commentary, and he they mentioned his out outline, which I just mentioned him because he was in the commentary. But I guarantee you, there are dozens more who recognize this outline. This, yeah. Um, so, what's significant about putting it in that three categories? I think some of the like, yeah. I mean, the basic one that I mentioned was just like this was a an intentional work of God. Uh, this, cause I made the concession right after that to say, Hey, some people see this as like maybe a natural progression of events, not a supernatural thing. And this, this is essentially the way it happened. Um, and then they come up with like, well, 
Maybe there was a, what's the thing when everything goes dark and the moon covers the sun? Eclipse. Eclipse, thank you. And, uh, you know, they have all of these natural explanations for why things happened. But when you look at the structure like this, it shows that there was actually like a progression, like a divine progression, not a natural progression for why these things kind of happened. And the story is told in such a way to highlight that. Like this could not have happened by chance or by coincidence. Um, and so anyway, uh, but I think part of the structure shows emphasis and what the author is trying to highlight here that this was something that didn't happen by chance. And so anyway, I think that's one of the biggest and probably the most important thing. So then from your emphasis, you're thinking through like, well, what is he trying to communicate from that emphasis? What does that mean? And I think it's that the Lord is God and these Egyptian gods, um, particularly Pharaoh, the stubborn king, he is not God, I am God, and my name will be praised in all the earth. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that's made very clear in chapter 12 uh, when he says, I will execute judgment on the gods of Egypt. So right. that's what essentially the plagues are doing, and Absolutely. you get that at the end. So It's an insane... Uh, like, it's harder to believe that they these all happen naturally yeah i think yeah don't you think like i i mean i got what you're saying the something happened in the water that caused it to turn red mm -hmm. so the frogs left the water and then they died and then the gnats and mm -hmm. the flies came like that works but like you're pretty dang unlucky if it's like the same time that a hailstorm is about to hit you totally and a solar eclipse <laughs> right. like that's pretty insane right but yep. also the land of goshen had light yeah so like how in the world and not only that but it's just like a darkness you could feel nobody got up for three days they literally could not go anywhere because they could not see they were blinded right mm. there was no way of doing anything working moving around right so yeah like, I, I mean that uh, there are that's not hyperbole either, you know, like they're not yeah. like exaggerating the facts like that is what happened. Um, and, and it was basically demonstrated through the fact that they couldn't get up like it was so dark they couldn't even move. And I think that that is a really interesting thing to think about. I think that there are connections, though, between like this is a judgment on Egypt for their sin, wickedness and rebellion. And then you fast forward, and I kind of I made this connection very briefly about the darkness that fell when Christ was on mm. the cross, mm -hmm. and and essentially that darkness is sort of a demonstration, and should make a logical connection or at least a literary connection to remember the judgment that fell on Egypt, and there was darkness all over all the land. That judgment and that darkness is falling here, but falling on Christ, and and so it's not just oh, here's a guy dying on a cross. Like there is something bigger happening here, a divine judgment act. Um, so I think it's cool to make those, or good and right to make those connections. Um, there's, You wrote a question here, Rob, um, that people want to explain these signs away as just natural occurrences. Um, why is that problematic? And could a faithful Christian believe that these weren't supernatural? What do you think? Yeah, I don't it's know. somewhat rhetorical, huh? It's it, you're asking it's, a little rhetorically. Yeah, it's hard to maybe say because obviously we are saved 
by faith, right? In Christ, uh, by grace. And so it's hard to say, like, there may be a, a way in which a faithful Christian might have a different perspective on this, on these plagues. But it also, it would, it would give me uh, not a lot of, a lot of uh, hope, I guess, in their understanding of, of the scripture that, you know, that it is fully divine, fully true. Well, it's, it's kind of a funny question though, because can a faithful Christian believe God's not sovereign? No, no. Can a faithful Christian believe God didn't create the world? No, no. So like if God created the world and is sovereign, like, I guess, what do you mean by supernatural? Because if these are all natural occurrences, God designed it somehow that it would happen. Maybe right, it was right, just right. a regular hailstorm that moved in and a regular disease that moved in, but God created all this stuff that mm-hmm. is happening and God is sovereign. So in some sense, I guess the supernatural versus natural occurrences, like uh, you still have to get to God is sovereign and created this and caused this to happen. Yeah, totally. Maybe he caused it to happen by all these weird natural things occurring. Yeah. Well, it's a, uh, But then why would he kind of like trick us into thinking it was blood when it was really just like a surplus of iron and yeah. soil or whatever you know it's like well uh, your question is really loaded um <laughs> and uh but maybe some might not see it necessarily that way but could a faithful christian believe that these were weren't supernatural there are some who would make that statement i'm a christian but i don't believe in miracles i don't believe in the supernatural and these are basically liberal people theologically excuse me theologically biblically liberal people they do not believe that the bible is fully inerrant um they read some stories and they say they basically skip over the question what did the original audience understand these stories to mean yeah and for us the answer would be i think the original audience would understand these to be supernatural miracles right um, not natural occurrences that just happened to ha- uh, happened to happen coincidentally. Um, so in modern day, I would say the last 200 years even, um, there has been a liberal movement, what they call theologically liberal, where they don't accept right. the scriptures as inerrant and they explain away the supernatural and because they don't believe in miracles and all of these things. I mean, we would say those people aren't Christians because you can't, at the at, at the basic level, like you said, God created everything. That's a miracle. Yep. Uh, at the basic level, Jesus was born of a virgin. That's a miracle <laughs> of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus rose again from the grave. That's a miracle. Uh, now, if you don't, and this spills over into the miracles of Jesus, where some you know want to explain away the miracles of Jesus. Those don't really happen. All we really needed are his words and the things that he said. And so he was just a good moral teacher. Um, Anyway, all that to say is like we do need to accept the supernatural um, because, A, the first audience would have understood these as supernatural occurrences. God breaking into the natural rhythms of the world and essentially doing things that are beyond normative. And one of those things being raising his son from the grave. And this is our hope for salvation, that there is yeah. life after this life. So anyway, I, I think in many ways the question is loaded to say, like, we are not theologically liberal. We believe the Bible in 
and it's in it, that is it, it is inerrant and authoritative um, and we read it in its proper context not the way we want it to be read so anyway uh, I don't think someone can be right a Christian and think in their conscience truly conviction that these didn't really happen because um, they would basically be denying the scriptures and so anyway that would be my my answer my final answer is that was that the correct answer, Rob? Yeah, you tell me. <laughs> no. Yes, so you're of loaded course. That's what I say. I felt like it was a little loaded. I but was, it's a good. It's, it's a not good discussion. Loaded, it's leading. Leading. I'm, I'm leading question. you. Yeah. To explain why yeah, that you're cornering like, me. You were I feel cornered. You were yeah. badgering the witness. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, it, it was a small point because you didn't have time to elaborate in your yeah. sermon. But it's an interesting thing to bring up, especially when we're looking at an ancient historical text, which a lot of people have questions about. And there's all these theories. I remember watching like a documentary when I was younger that was proving Exodus, like the Exodus story. Uh And I don't really remember much of it, but I thought it was interesting. Like, you know, people say, oh, there was a sandbar or something across the Sinai, like to the Sinai Peninsula. And they didn't actually like the part the waters didn't the part sea didn't quite, actually like, part yeah. miraculously. Yeah. yeah, they just kind of waded through it. Yeah, like they were like it was you know up to your ankles or knee or whatever. But then it's like how it was did a it low s- tide. How did it swallow the whole army? <laughs> well, Anyways, they caught it at the high tide, which we're not there yet. But it's just <laughs> interesting, like this whole you know they had discussion. armor on, dude. That's true. It just drowned. They them. couldn't swim across, and they. Didn't think about it before they were all the way in the middle. Yeah, but eventually we'll get to the <laughs> we'll get to the Red Sea crossing yeah. somewhat soon, I guess. Two sermons. Yeah, a couple or sermons. one sermon. Yeah, because this this next one will be on, on the, the tenth Passover. plague and the Passover and the the killing of the firstborn and stuff like that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I this is a this is a was a interesting. So we made a I made a decision, but we made a decision that we weren't going to look at, we weren't going to break these plagues up into like five and five or even three, three and three um, with, you know, the 10th one. Like we, anyway, we made a decision to not do that because like I said, the other thing about the structure, those, that three units of three is it shows that these all are essentially like designed to be together. Like you, it's it's a long account, but it's really a repetitious account with varying differences along the way. Right. But it's like nine occurrences that are all saying the same thing. Uh, God's word is supreme. God will do what he wants, and Pharaoh hardened his heart at the end, you know? Um, and he is basically crushing the gods of, of Egypt in each and every single one of these things. And so I think instead of having nine sermons that all are basically the same message, just a different verse, right? Same melody, different verse. Um, let's just preach it all at once and then move on to the rest, you know? Yeah, because you could have gone in detail about here's an Egyptian god that corresponds with this and here how here's how this yeah. negates that Egyptian god's power. And that is pretty interesting, for people who are into the history. Right. But it wouldn't have added to the message of right. this particular right. series to the people of our church. So if you're one of those interested, then like go research it because totally. it's interesting. Totally. But I, I said in the intro of this whole series, Exodus is a history book. This is true history. These things happened in these ways, but this is not a history book. 
<laughs> this is a theology book. This is a book teaching us about God and who he is and how we are to respond in light of him, right? So it is history, and if you want to dive into the history of it and look at the Egyptian gods and their culture and what's going on here, like that's fine and dandy, but you're kind of missing the the main purpose for which yeah. Moses wrote this letter to the original audience, which was to give them an understanding of who God was um, as he reveals himself in history and historical events in real time. Um, and so that's why I made the choice to, okay, let's move through this. But then let's think through what are the three big theological ideas yeah. that are being taught to us in these. Yeah. Um, well, even before those, though, you you talk. We're at a point in the story where there's two major obstacles to God's plan and purposes, and that's convincing Pharaoh to allow the Israelites to leave and convincing the Israelites they even want to leave. Yeah. Um, and so you set up a really big theological question, uh, kind of from those two obstacles of. How can God show justice to a wicked yeah. person or to evil deeds and show grace to people who don't deserve it? How can he do both of those perfectly? Yeah. Um, which is a huge question. It is. A, I mean, that's that's kind of like th the question of the Bible, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Like, how can God be both fully just and fully loving? Um and and when we say loving, we attribute that as like accepting of people who are not perfect, right? <laughs> like we mess up. How how can God do this? And the the answer to that, which is the power of God to those being saved, but foolish to those who are not, is the cross. Like it it doesn't make sense to people how God in Christ could be both just in in condemning his son and and by doing so the justifier of those mm -hmm. who do not deserve his grace and so he's able to pardon those who are actually guilty because there was a punishment paid it just wasn't paid by us it was paid by him god himself paid the price for us and anyway when you see all of these sort of like salvific theological themes sort of like culminating on the cross of Christ and then validated in his resurrection. And so God demonstrates his justice in Christ, but he also demonstrates his grace and love in Christ in the exact same moment in his death. And, but, but you're given those sort of categories for thinking about that in the Exodus and particularly in the demonstration of these, these uh, signs and wonders of judgment that hit Egypt that God judges and at the same time delivers uh, his people out, which is really just fascinating to think about. Um, but you were mentioning, uh, the, yeah, these theological categories, but you mentioned God's people. You were saying something about that, and I was going to come back to it. And I don't know. I'm well, I just the two obstacles you presented mm. at the very beginning of your mm. sermon was convincing Pharaoh to allow them to leave, convincing God's people oh, that to they get should them. leave. Yeah. yeah. That's what which I was is say. the act of grace. You know, the other half of that question. Yeah, and an important distinction you made in your sermon, which, yeah, so your your three main things are, the first thing is to demonstrate God's power over all of the earth, especially with the gods of Egypt, but every power that exists that stands against God. And then the second thing was to distinguish God's people from the Egyptian people. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that we often think of God's people as ethnic Israel. At least in the Old Testament, for sure. Yeah, for sure in the Old Testament, and, and which is true in large part, but it's the the division between the people of god and not the people of god really is 
faith even mm-hmm. here, right? Because we mm-hmm. see Egyptians who choose to follow Yahweh and deny their false gods. Mm-hmm. And we highlighted a few elements where we see that in the text, which yeah. I thought was really good to see. But in large part, like it was his, you know, Abraham's family that he was saving. And in addition, a mixed multitude of Egyptians and perhaps other ethnic people from that aren't specifically, you know, mentioned. It's this group of people who are going with them, multitude, yeah. Who are who are you know admitting their allegiance to Yahweh Mm -hmm. and in effect joining the people of God even in the Old Testament Mm -hmm. through belief in in what God has done through faith Mm -hmm. Um, so I thought that was a really interesting point not one we normally think about with the plagues and we we talk about the Exodus it's very much like Egyptians versus Jews yeah this like race war or something like that you know but going back to your earlier point Cody about like convincing God's people um because it would there were two obstacles that God had to overcome in liberating his people Pharaoh's hardened heart and not letting his people go and then convincing God's people that they should go and I think that the second one is kind of interesting because a they had crushed spirits and so they just genuinely didn't think that change was possible and I think there's a lot of Christians, a lot of individuals who just, I don't know, because they've tried really hard to mm. fight sin or they've tried really hard in different other areas and they fail over and over and over again. They just, I don't know, maybe to some degree feel like they can never have that victorious Christian life over sin. Yeah. Um, but this story, God wants to reveal like, yeah, I mean, if you're doing it by your willpower, then no, like you won't ever be delivered. But if you submit to my rule and reign in your life, then deliverance can be possible. Um, but that that's one thing. But the other thing is God wanted to get them out of Egypt. But part of that too is God needed to get Egypt out of them. Oh, preacher oh point. you like that, the, huh? The preacher move. Goodness. I see what you did there. What does that mean, Pastor? I don't know. It, so <laughs> it's like, uh, oh, what's that? Is it like a Beyonce song or something like oh, that? Oh, here we go. J-Lo. The theological uh, what, vision. What, is, what does J-Lo say? Something about you could take uh, the girl out the hood, but you can't take the hood out there of the girl or something go. like that. <laughs> Such Jenny wisdom from, from Jennifer Lopez. J-Lo, thank She's you. She's still Jenny mm, from the block. Jenny from the block. <laughs> Anyway, you you could take them out of Egypt, but did you get Egypt out of them? And we will see as the Exodus goes on, that's the obstacle that continues to plague the people of God mm-hmm. is that there are still worldly desires yeah. that they have carried over from their time in Egypt. Oh, I mean, the calf, the golden calf, when they make that at the uh, Mount Sinai, and they just, and then they blame Moses later on. We're giving a little bit of spoiler alert, um, but later on, you know, they, when things get really hard as they're in the wilderness, they sort of long back for Egypt, and they, they say things lame things like, "Man, our time back there was easier than it is now." And maybe to some degree it was, but it's like, but it wasn't that good back then. Um, but they forget those kinds of things. So, yeah, God's obstacle is not just getting them out of Egypt, but getting Egypt out of them. And it's the same thing here, right? God, for us as Christians, God needs to liberate us from our situation, but he also needs to 
get the sinfulness mm-hmm. out of our lives as well. It's not just external factors, but internal factors that are inside of us yeah. all. Um, yeah. And the author of Hebrews picks up on this <laughs> and it kind of applies it to, cause the issue is, is faith, right? They lacked mm. faith. Um, chapter three, but exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Mm-hmm. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end, trusting and you know following Christ, of course. Um, and then in chapter four, for the good news came to us just as to them. And in view here is these people wandering in the wilderness, yep. the, the Jewish people, which is interesting to think about that Hebrews is saying the message they heard did not benefit them because they were not united by faith with with those who listen or united to Christ by faith. Um, so they heard the gospel in a sense yeah. <laughs> to, to trust in God and to follow him by faith. Mm-hmm. And many, as we'll see, don't. Uh, you know, don't get to the promised land, but wander for years because of a lack of faith mm-hmm. and this struggle between. But anyways, yeah, well, that is to come. That discussion will be in the next few weeks. Yeah. But I think that's an interesting thing to distinguish God's people from the Egyptians. And I think the word distinguish is like that idea of setting apart. And in salvation, that's what God is doing. He's setting apart a people for himself um, from all of those who essentially don't believe and he's showing his covenant promises to them. And what's amazing, Paul picks up on that theme in Romans. Um, that's actually one of his biggest themes is showing that there's no, no distinction between Jew and Gentile for all are accepted in the same way by faith, mm-hmm. by grace through Christ. And so even if you're uh, a Jewish person raised with the law, raised with these stories you're father is Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, um, you still are not saved by those things, but instead saved by faith, uh, by grace through faith. And the same with the Gentile. And so I think that that's the inclusion of the the Egyptians and the mixed multitude mm-hmm. is somewhat hinting at that, because it's not a prominent theme in the story, but it's just sort of like there on the side, you know, and it's like, what's that thing over there? That's an interesting little narrator footnote and it's like because it's it's an important footnote to mention that there were some even of the egyptians who were beginning to uh see that this yahweh he there may be something to this guy and i think that that's i i I think as christians we should be living set apart lives Mm -hmm. so that when the world looks in they see something in us and in the god we know that they have never experienced in the world. And it can be quite an unsettling experience when that happens. And uh, I think we're seeing that in the story for sure. Um, but particularly just in God's direct demonstration of himself. Um, but anyway, yeah. Yeah, and then the third point, of course, is the big question. Um, the big question. The big question of the passage. The one that Cody skipped over in his sermon. The... Uh, <laughs> Well, we've been hovering around it. Um, yeah, because it it's obviously, I mean, it's it's so so central to these stories, the yeah. hardening of Pharaoh's heart. It is a means to harden his heart. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you mean by that sentence, that statement? Maybe we could break What it do apart. I mean? It doesn't matter what I mean. <laughs> well, the way How does that, it make you feel? <laughs> <laughs> the way that you worded it. I feel pretty good <laughs> about it, honestly. Because <laughs> you oh, use this term means, right? <laughs> So God, you know, is 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 using the plagues, yeah, in order to harden mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. Pharaoh's heart. That's the way that that's uh, yeah, that's the way that you put it in the sermon, which I think is true. Yeah. And then of course, you know, we get to Romans nine a bit and talk about that, but yeah, um, yeah. I, I mean, this is a subject I've thought a lot about. You know, um, maybe anecdotally and personally, just because there was a long time where my heart was hardened. Hmm. And I mean, someone could have shared Christ. Well, people did share Christ with me at different times. And I just was like, wanted nothing to do with it. And the more I heard, the more I saw uh, of Christians or of faith or of God or this, like, man, I just got harder and harder and harder. wanted nothing to do with, with anything, you know, to do with God. Um, And so what, what was it? that sort of softened my heart, you know, and I, I think behind the scenes and all of that, God was working. God was allowing, uh, and waiting for a certain moment where he was going to call me into a relationship with him. And I think, um, that, that is such an obvious thing in scripture is that no one is saved because they're smarter than the other person who doesn't believe. Um, it's not that we applied our intellect more than another person. Um, it's not because of a f- certain family that we're raised in that we're saved. It's because God revealed himself mm-hmm. uh, through his Holy Spirit to us. Or even that the person who shared it with you did it just right. Just right, yeah. <laughs> yep. And and man, a lot of moms do that, right? Their, their kid in their 20s, you know, they've been sharing Christ with them like their whole lives and they didn't believe and then... I don't know, a youth pastor shares and they come and they're like, but what'd you say? What, what was it? Like, did you like turn a, was it a story? They're like trying to figure out what was the tool? What was the mechanics that won them to Jesus? It's like, uh, God, God did. I don't know. There's no, because then you hear other stories and you hear like how, what it was that converted somebody like, I mean, my, one of my favorites is a, a guy that I know that he was just walking down the street and saw a track on the ground and just picked it up and read it and was converted. And I'm like, seriously, you just picked up a track, a piece of paper on the ground. Not like, even someone handed it to yeah, you. Yeah, the four R's. You know, I don't know what it was. Someone who got it handed to them Great. threw it on the ground and didn't care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like that's- someone saw it. Their heart was hardened. They threw it down. This guy saw it. His heart was softened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Man. We're, there you go. There's the illustration. So right who there. who is the active agent? It's the Holy Spirit. The it's Holy Spirit. God who yeah. is doing the work. And the track. Well, um, that's true. And that's, yeah. <laughs> well, the tract is the means. I'm just kidding. That's the track, the means. It, it is the means. It is the yeah, gospel yeah, yeah. that someone wrote into a booklet or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is a legitimate means of communicating the gospel. Yeah. But it wasn't the means that did it. It was the Holy Spirit that used that. And that's kind of what's happening here, right? God is using these judgments. Yeah in a way to soften some mm-hmm. and to harden others. But I think an important point that you made briefly was from, you know, all humans are in from our disposition from the beginning right. is to be hard. Right. Like we all have a hard heart like Pharaoh. Yeah. Well, and that, that like, so the conversation that we're sort of dancing around here is really comes to a head in Romans chapter nine. Right. And the hardening of Pharaoh's heart that Paul talks about there, it's under the theological category of election. Um, God has called before the foundations of the world uh, some to be saved because he specifically says he has mercy on whom he desires and he hardens whom he 
desires. Um, so people struggle with that because they they make a what what I call a logical end. Mm-hmm. Um, they they move off of scripture and go a little bit too far because we are all on the path toward destruction. We are all have hardened hearts. So like just imagine as an illustration, we're all dead fish floating down a stream toward destruction. But God, in his grace, pulls some out of that water, and they are alive, right? He makes them alive. This is the illustration of Ezekiel with the Valley of Dry Bones, um, where he breathes the breath of life on them and, and basically brains, gives them new life. And so that hardness of heart that is there, it's not because God made his heart hard where previously it was soft, like it's always been hardened toward God because that's our natural inclination. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Psalm 51, you know, I was born in sin uh, is what Paul talks about there. And and that's that's what Paul talks about, or I'm sorry, David talks about in Psalm 51. And then Paul talks about it early on in the book of Romans. So I think it's important to keep in mind that God didn't, in this sense, I'll say it this way, predestined Pharaoh to destruction. Uh, Pharaoh was already on that path because he was born in sin, like we all are, but God predestines some for salvation. And I think that that's, you know, some would say, oh, that's nuance. Um, it's either one or the other. And I'm like, no, it doesn't have to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um, that's a logical fallacy to make that sort of pigeonhole. You can make a biblical conclusion without taking it to an what they would say to be a logical end. Well, if he did this, he did that. No, not necessarily. Um, So anyway, I think that's just something to, and maybe I just made it a little bit more muddy, um, but something at least to think about that God didn't, you know, uh, predestine Pharaoh's heart to be hard. It was hard on his own from the beginning. And so God demonstrates his justice in Pharaoh, uh, righteous justice, by condemning Pharaoh in his sin and judging him for his sin. And I I think sometimes people feel bad for Pharaoh, but it's like, dude, Pharaoh was worse than Hitler in many ways. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, do, would you feel bad for Hitler? No, you would feel like God did j- the just thing in condemning Hitler. And I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe at the end Hitler believed. I don't know. I wasn't there. Uh, hopefully he did maybe to some degree. I have no idea. I mean, I hope all come to salvation, Mm -hmm. um, as wicked as people are. But at the same time, if God chose to show his justice, then we would also be happy about that too. Um, and he chose to show his justice here. Therefore, as he says this in Romans nine, uh, what verse am I in? 16, 17 for the scripture says, for this purpose, I raise you up to demonstrate my power in you. Power of what? My power over your false power of deity, um, but also my power in justice, in bringing righteous justice to those who do evil in the world. Um, and, then, and he goes on and says that my name might be proclaimed throughout the whole earth. Um, anyway, so I that's what I say. I don't have a problem with it um, in, in the sense of like academically, logically, theologically, like I've thought about it enough now where I think I have accepted the idea. Um, And yet at the same time accepted there's so much mystery in all this and how 
that works. What, what factors go into why God chooses some and not chooses, doesn't choose others for salvation? Um, I, I have no idea. The other thing I would say is it's certainly not anything in me like good that he chose me over somebody else, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, look, the apostle Paul said I was the chief of sinner and yet he chose me. And I think that that's a really fascinating thing. And I don't think he was being hyperbolic in that statement. I think he felt like he truly was like the worst of the worst in, in attempting to crush the early church. And, and he God's says people. explicitly the reason why was to demonstrate his great mercy through that act yeah. of saving. Yeah. So God shows his justice through, and then his mercy. And his mercy. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, salvation is about God. <laughs> First and foremost, you know, it's not necessarily about us. Mm. Um, but anyway, that's a deep discussion. Yeah. Total side note, but do, I've, it's been a while since I read Exodus in detail. Do we even hear about the end of Pharaoh's life? Um, yeah, when he drowns in the Red Sea. Pharaoh's in there with him? I couldn't in, remember. I'm, I'm 100% positive he's yeah. in that water because he, ah. he gets all, like, fired up in the end. Just, like, so he's literally, leading the charge into the sea. Yeah, he's he's just ticked. Like, I couldn't remember that part. I have lost everything, and if I'm going to die, you're going to die. So he charges after him, and then God drowns them all in the Red Sea. Hmm. And yeah. so, yeah, that's the end. What that's an the end. end of that. What what an end. If you're going to go down, huh, go down in a blaze of glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what happens. I don't I don't remember what chapter that's in because I haven't I, – I wasn't reading ahead that far. I had a lot that's going okay. on this week. Obviously, there was I. I couldn't even remember it from Sunday school. There's your Bible trivia. <laughs> oh, I got yeah. a better one than that. Oh, that was a good volunteer segue. Volunteer of the week. The volunteer of the week is first. And our volunteer right. of the week this week is Dan Garris. Mm. Right. Do we want to include his wife Dan in that, Garris. or we're just going to give it to Dan? Uh, we usually do individuals. Okay, yeah. we'll do Dan then. Joy next Joy will time. get it another time. <laughs> Don't forget the, now. Well, they're both but, worth mentioning. But Dan came up. I mean, Dan's already a uh, a life group leader, which is true of Joy too. Yeah. So we appreciate both of them for mm-hmm. that. But Rob, you were saying. Something oh, else yeah. that you just added them to your the communion Garrises. prep team, yep. which also includes Joy. Is there anything specific to Dan that doesn't include Joy? Maybe it is both of them. Well, Dan um, has been involved in discipling some guys and doing some one-on-one Bible studies as well. There you yeah, go. Um, that's massive. Yeah, which we're you know, actively encouraging guys and gals, whoever has some time, to sit down with someone and read the Bible, and he's done that. Um, he has the benefit of being retired at this point, so... Uh, which is cool. He's got some extra time and he uses it well, you know, which is great. Love it. Um, but yeah, Dan and Joy, I mean, we can kind of acknowledge both of them together. They're sure, a team. let's give it to both They're of them. They're a team. <laughs> um, let's do it. You get a car. <laughs> you, you get a car. But they're they're not getting it as a couple, though. No. They're getting two individual volunteer of the week. Yeah. Recognition. I've decided I'm taking away Dan's. It's just for Joy now. It's oh my Joy gosh. Garris only. Dan, sorry. It's <laughs> no, Joy. No, no, no. We don't we no, don't take gifts away. It's two individual volunteer of the weeks given to those. <laughs> sure. That's funny. They're both people. awesome. So if you see them around, give them a high five. Yep. Tell them congratulations and also obviously tell them thank you. For what you do around the church it's time for bible trivia right now all so right keep going israel is about to leave egypt mm-hmm, mm-hmm. how long were they there 
How long were they in Egypt? 430 years. I was going to say that number as you well. You had that locked and loaded. I didn't think you read that far ahead. 430. <laughs> we yeah. talked about 430? that. 430? How'd you I know 430? I don't think so. I don't think we... I, I, I don't know. I read ahead. Why did, just you, did, why did you have it on the tip of your tongue, Rob? 430 I remembered exactly, it. right out of the gate? Yeah. I mean, I didn't have a chance to say it, but uh, so maybe you'll never know. So this is funny. This is like a personality difference, right? Because literally no numbers stay in my brain, like no specific numbers. I feel like but we've talked guys, about like, this. Yeah, we've talked about it in the incubation period. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, it was a 430-year incubation? Yeah. Mm, back back when I, I said that dumb word. I feel like maybe, we t- I don't know. It's in my brain. It was in my brain. So I think I was thinking about the numbers too, because uh, I think Moses was 80 and Aaron was 83. Mm. Um, it was mentioned earlier on when they, last chapter, last week, um, before they went into Pharaoh the first time. I think maybe it was the beginning of chapter seven. Um, anyway, I'm, I'm actually not really all that good with numbers or memorization, blah, blah, blah. Just sometimes things stick out. Nice. In yeah. my mind. Seemed pretty yeah. significant. Yeah. Well, I remembered 4.30 because uh, I have a parent-teacher conference. At 4? At 4.30. Which, which is in I four go. minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to transition that way. That's why this podcast is over. Oh, Bye. <laughs>